Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Well, hello and welcome aboard. I'm Mike Brooks, and I thank you for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. Today, I want to talk about troubleshooting. And uh, troubleshooting is obviously something that every technician of every discipline is going to do. It is probably one of the most critical skills you can bring to the table. And and of course, I'm a, I, I like to call myself a technician's technician because I like to teach it and I like to do it. Uh, and I've done it a long time, and it's a uh, skill set that uh, you, in almost any field, and it doesn't really matter, even if it's like mechanics, you have to be skilled at at knowing exactly what to do as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible, but also keeping in mind, you know, why, what is happening that is giving you the indications uh, and making you make the decisions that you're making. And so I'm gonna give you an example of a, of a problem I just happened to troubleshoot the other day. So since I'm in the fire alarm world, uh, we have a lot of door magnets that keep the doors up and door magnets are there as a convenience. They're not there because uh, you know it's a necessity. When the door magnets are holding the doors open uh, and there's a fire, we cut the power to them, the doors close. If everything closes right, then it, you know, obviously it sections off that part of the hall or that part of the building uh, and it keeps a smoke zone or a fire zone. So that's the, that's the, the, you know, the here and now on those things. So when the doors close, it's an inconvenience to the staff or the, or the folks who are walking by, especially if it's in a, if it's in a healthcare setting, um, like a, a retirement home, or a uh, or even a school. Uh, I, I've even been in facilities where, when these doors close, uh, the the folks cannot even open them. Like they may not have the power or the strength to open them. They may be in a wheelchair. Uh, they're not powered doors. And so, what seems to most technicians to be, ah, it's just the door circuit. You know, blah blah blah. Uh, it, it may seem minor to you. Can be very major to the client. So. The, this particular door circuit that I was working on was in a building, an older building, and uh, it it just, you know, tripped. We couldn't figure out why. I uh, went out there, started working on it, and one of the things that I teach students and one of the things that I hope to teach you today is getting zen with the problem. And what I mean by getting zen with the problem is instead of rushing headfirst into a troubleshooting situation, I gather my wits about me and I gather the intelligence on what is happening. And so if it's on a system, I might go back and read the history logs. If it's, if it's a, um, if it's a, uh, uh, a client that's telling me what's going on, I might ask them, I might say, Hey, you know, when did this happen? What's going on? Was there something that did you have a power bump when, when these things closed? Was, uh, was it after a fire alarm? Was it, you know, give me, give me some intelligence like that. And a lot of times that, is not necessarily there to gather intelligence like I'm going to use that to troubleshoot with. Sometimes that's there for the client themselves. Okay, so if I've got a client that's upset 
a client that's carrying um, a burden, so to speak, my talking with that client can oftentimes be a release for them. Um, they feel like they're like they're getting their money's worth, or they're they're you know they they didn't pay for for anything you know uh, silly. So I sit down with them and I say, okay, well, you know what's going on, what's happening? Oh, I don't know. The doors are shut. You know, get out there and fix it. Okay. Well, then I just go out there and fix it. But getting zen it means that I I will seriously sit down and think before I begin to move. So I've gathered my intelligence, I've talked to the client, I've looked at the fire system, I've I've made sure that, you know, the history logs don't show anything crazy. Uh, if I do have, um, you know, something associated with a power bump or, or, a, or a, um, a fire alarm that had happened and that's and the doors didn't didn't recover from that, well, then it gives me a little bit more intelligence on on where to go. But essentially, you, when you look at something as simple as a door holder and it's no longer holding, you go, well, okay, well, it's lost power. So in this case, uh, I went and looked at the circuit and the the uh, the door magnets had indeed lost power, but there was voltage on them. Now, I'm going to say that again. They'd lost power, but there was voltage on them. Most of our equipment in the fire alarm world works on 24 to 27 volts. So when I measured the voltage on these door magnets, it was 14 volts positive to ground. And it was 14 volts positive everywhere to ground. So that is roughly half of what I expect to see. So there was voltage present, but there was no negative voltage anywhere to be seen, which meant that there was positive voltage being felt all the way through the circuit, which told me that there wasn't an open somewhere because it all had voltage. But what wasn't there was any place for that voltage to go. It was just sitting there statically, right? Immediately, as soon as I got those indications, I went, oh, I got a bad relay. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. So now, in my world, it's finding the right relay. In, in some situations, it's pretty easy because you open up the, the fire panel and follow the wiring, and there's a relay, you know, easy, easy peasy. But in uh, a system, in a building this old, and in a system this old, uh, a lot of these relays are remote. Um, in the simplex world, we call them uh, ZAMs or control ZAMs. And you may need to go find that ZAM and then figure out what's going on from there. The mess that I walked into in this particular room, <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about it in my mind. Uh, it, I've been showing people pictures of this uh, off and on for the last couple of days. And, and they're just looking at me going, you've got to be kidding me. I said, no, this is the way it's been for years and years and years here. And until they get a chance to clean all this stuff up, this is what you're dealing with. This is, this is your world. This is how it's going to be. So I, uh, I found the circuit, figured out where it was, and traced it back down to the actual relay. And then uh, quickly determined that the relay itself stopped functioning. And it stopped functioning in an open state, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, change state at all and it since it was open it was basically acting as though the doors were activated so to speak um so i just pulled the wires off wire nut them together and went out make sure that everything looked the same and we had we had uh, you know magnet power which was pretty easy to do and then in this particular case 
the relay uh, had two relays on it. So I could just shift the wiring over to the second set of contacts and move on with my life and, and get the system back up and running. So from beginning to end, from the time that the job came in until the time I'd signed off on it and and said it was it was complete was I'd say probably about two and a half hours on that, which is about typical for a service call in most industries. Matter of fact, most of the time in a fire alarm industry, you or even a security industry, you'll have a two hour minimum when you show up on site. So you as a technician are out here to service this client and you show up to a building you've never been to before. You don't know what you're dealing with. You know that maybe all the doors or some of the doors are closed. Uh, and you've got a client that could be upset. You've got uh, obviously patients that may not get through the doors. So in, a, in my situation, fairly cut and dry. I, I've been in this building many, many times. I, I know where the power is distributed from. I know where most of the, most of the hidden um, OSNAPs are. And it, it was just a matter of my refreshing my own memory to go back in there and, and, and go through it and, and you know figure it out, right? What happens when you go into a place where that isn't the case or when you can't fix it? Where you've done everything, and 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 you and you've, you know, at this point, now, you've got a different problem happening. In my case, I walked in thinking, well, okay, there's only a few doors, and it wasn't every door on the floor, which was good. It was a, a known source that I've dealt with before, not this particular uh, set of doors, but this particular room and this particular uh, cluster hanging on the wall. Uh, the fact that I had half the voltage there told me that, you know, it was probably going to be the, the controller that had in. And I didn't have any upset clients screaming at me because I couldn't get to the doors. I did have a lot of folks who were kind of upset that the doors were closed. Pretty easy, easy peasy. When you go into a place where the client's upset, the problem isn't easy to solve, isn't, isn't is easy to solve, or it's, it's, um, it really is more than, hey, a bad relay. You know, you've got a you've got a real issue on your hands. Uh, you now have to step back as a technician, and you need to start focusing on fixing the client and fixing your own head so that you can get through this in one piece. This is the trick to being. Uh, a technician's technician. This is the trick of of where you're mentoring folks, or you're mentoring your your apprentices, or you're even mentoring yourself, and you're and you're getting better and better and better at this. And this is where being zen and being focused is critical, because when things go well, it's easy, right? Oh, I solved the problem. Uh, pat myself on the back, run down the road, and everything's happy. When things don't go well, uh, that's when you begin to panic. And you start to look inward, like, oh, my God, am I making mistakes? Do I know what I'm doing? Am I in the right field? Uh, what's going on? Add any external stimulation to that. A text from your significant other, uh, you know, kids sick, uh, dog threw up, uh, a car overheated, any of those things. Any of those external influences will also affect your ability to think. And so um, 
I've kind of developed a couple of techniques that that I would like to share with you that I think you you might it might help you. Now I use a, a, an Apple uh, iPhone and I have the AirPods and the AirPods that I have are the AirPod Pros, so I can actually put them in and uh, do sound uh, deadening, right? Sound deadening headphones and. Uh, Oftentimes, I'll put those in and not even play any music. I'll just have them in my ears just to shut off the sound of everything that's going on in a given area so that I can have some clarity of thought. Well, when people see you with these things on, they're thinking that you're listening to, to whatever, Motley Crue, but you're not. You could just have them in your ears just to give you the presence of mind to be able to focus, that's critical. So, so clearing your mind of whatever else is going on. If your significant other is texting you, you may have to put your phone in airplane mode for, for 15 minutes and focus. Or uh, if you've got a client that's upset, you may have to stop what you're doing and focus on the client and get them, get them happy. You may even have uh, a couple of doors that you put uh, uh, door holder, you know, uh, we call them CHODs, combustible hole open devices. That came from the one of the state fire marshals in Oregon. Uh, you may have to put a couple CHODs in the doors to hold the doors open temporarily, right, so that you can let the folks get egress to the doors uh, so that you don't have to hear them slam and you don't have to hear the, the, the folks getting upset. So do, do those things. Take an assessment of what is going on so that you can just gather your what's about you, then begin to systematically go through what's going on with the system. Did this happen as a result of a fire alarm? Did this happen as a result of a power failure? Did, you know, are the door magnets pushed in because someone got mad and because the door wouldn't stick open and, and, and hammered the hell out of it and pushed it in the wall? You know, wow, if you see damage on one, could that be, could that be shorted? Could that have taken out the fuse? Blah, blah, blah. So as you begin to, to do that, the, that is part of the getting Zen process. That's part of just calming down and knowing that, look, if you're, if you're a contractor and you've been and you, and you walked into this place and you know you've got two hours, you've got two hours, okay? You may be able to solve the problem in 15 minutes, but you've been given a two-hour slot to do that. And you may have seven calls lined up after that. You cannot think about those things. You cannot focus on what isn't. You have to focus on what it is. And so if you sit down and start to focus, think about it, and, and begin to make sure that you understand how these circuits work, because if you don't know how it works, you probably can't fix it. Once you get your head wrapped around all that stuff, you may then be able to choose some testing places and, and start to, to you know, to, to see what's going on. You know, okay, I got no power, I've got a blown fuse, or I've, you know, what, what's happening. If you remove the load and you can get power back up, that is obviously, you know, a, a good thing. If you begin to measure and you say, oh my gosh, I've got, uh, on positive, I've got uh, a ground on this, right? Then, then you may want to go look and make sure that you've got, you don't have a damaged magnet out there somewhere or, or something along those lines or water, right? So let's suppose that, that uh, you've, tr you've done all those things and you're an hour and 45 minutes into this and you're just in the same exact position you were when you walked through the door, right? And you do have seven calls and now your phone is ringing off the hook and now all of the things you've done are not working, right? 
you've got this choice at this point. Do I tell the client, I don't want to tell you the door is going to have to stay closed? Or do you call your dispatcher back and go, I've got to stay out here longer and, and solve this problem, right? That becomes a, a, real, a real issue that you, that you as a technician, especially as a contractor technician, you're going you're gonna to encounter this all the time. The single worst thing you can do is begin to fret about this and begin to make your life harder, okay? That, that won't help. You need, to, you need to step back and make your life easier. Begin to, to think, okay, did I miss a step? Did something go wrong? Now, I worked with a guy for a number of years um, up at uh, OHSU who's since retired. And uh, we, would, we would call each other or, or sit down and have a cup of coffee, especially if I'd worked on something and I knew that the problem was right in front of me, yet I couldn't solve it. I, cu I, couldn't, I couldn't see it. I, could, I, I did everything, everything right and I, I troubleshot this thing and it's still not working and now I'm all, you know, I'm all frustrated by it. I would sit down with uh, Tom, was my partner, and I would draw it out. I mean, I, matter of fact, I kept a piece of paper folded up in my pocket just for that purpose, just for me to draw out these circuits. And oftentimes in my drawing out of all my steps I had gone through with him, he would either recognize something that I'd missed or I would recognize something that I'd missed as I went through and did that. So. Those techniques, the techniques of, of stepping back when you get, and that's what we call tunnel vision. When you get tunnel vision and you know that the problem is right here and you're so committed to finding that problem in that, in that, in that area that you may have missed something completely obvious. To make matters worse, if you're the technician that can't solve the problem and you walk out the door to go take another call, and then your boss or a junior technician or somebody else walks in and solves that problem in 15 minutes, now you've got, oh my God, why didn't I solve it? This guy's going to make fun of me or this woman's going to make fun of me or I'm an idiot or, you know, whatever. Or, or I've worked in companies where, you know, where they, that just becomes, you become the, like the laughing stock because you couldn't solve the problem, which doesn't help the situation. Obviously, that depends on the company you work for and your teammates, but it happens to all of us. It's happened to me. Okay. I can I can say, well, I'm the best technician, you know, that that there's ever been. Well, that's complete that's complete bat squeeze. That's not true at all. Well, I'm not the best technician. I'm not the best fire alarm technician there is. I'll never be the best technician there ever is. I won't be the best of anything. Okay. Except be the best person that I can be and be the most well-rounded I can be, which is exactly what you can be, okay? Shoot for the top. Be the best you can, but at the same point in time, give yourself a break, okay? If you're walking into a situation where a client's upset, things aren't going the way they are, they're meant to go, it's okay, okay? You're going to survive. You're going to get through it. If nothing else, you'll learn from it, right? And and you don't want to repeat these mistakes. So each step that you've made, whether it's the right or the wrong step, be sure that you've recorded in your brain exactly how you've gotten to this place and begin to uh, associate what you've learned with either that type of equipment or that type of building layout or whatever it is so that 
that you're always learning. If you get yourself into a position where you don't have to learn anymore, where you already know it all, and you're already the best at this, um, well, I, I suppose I, I suppose there's nothing that you can learn anymore. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I, I, and I and I say that honestly from a, a technician who's who's been tech and equipment since he was 18, and I'm 57, so I'm coming on quite a few years of this. I can tell you I've worked on a lot of equipment in my life. I can tell you I've mastered a, quite a few pieces of equipment, but I will tell you that there's always somebody out there who knows something about that equipment that will eclipse me. And I always go into it knowing that. Just like working with technicians who are junior to me, uh, if they have a knack for fixing stuff, I back off and let them fix it. Let them show me. I worked with a guy at Performance. Uh, he's one of the one of the best technicians I've ever worked with. He's uh, not been in the industry nearly as long as me. We went out and troubleshot a ground fault on a fire system one time at a school. And uh, I, as a manager, I was always taking calls and having things interrupt me. So I was there to kind of support him and watch how this. And this kid troubleshot the system so fast that I, I, I was in awe. I, it was jaw-dropping. It was really, really jaw-dropping. The more I worked with this guy, the, the, the more I appreciated the way his mind worked and, and the more I knew I could learn from him something that I did not know. And I did learn from him a lot of things. When he called me and said, I'm stuck on something, uh, my alarm bells went off because if this guy was stuck, um, this was a hard problem to solve. And it was only going to call me if if he couldn't solve it, which meant that, oh, my God, uh, here it comes. This is going to be something hard. Well, a lot of times what he was doing was exactly what I would do with my friend Tom, is, is he'd go, I've, I've run all these issues. I, I can't seem to solve the problem. Help me. Help. Let me just talk you through this. And that's what we would do. We, and I wound up being kind of a, of a, of a sounding board for him. Uh, we weren't 100% successful all the time, but we certainly were more successful than than um, than we weren't. Uh, I would often watch this this guy uh, do more service calls in a day than I probably could, okay, and be successful at it. So, uh, humility, understanding what people are bringing to the table, all these things come into play as a technician. And the one thing that shouldn't come into play is pride and arrogance. And uh, those are killers. Those are absolutely killers. I have met plenty of technicians who are super good, super proud, uh, super duper folks, and they never make mistakes. And, and you know, you can, you can move on with that for as far as you want to go uh, until they do, until they run into the problem that can't be solved. And 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 then now you've now they've taken a, you know a pretty hard hit. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. So ego uh, plays a huge part of this. You need enough self-esteem and enough self-worth and enough uh, technical prowess to move forward on things and to not uh, vapor lock and go backwards. But having too much can obviously be detrimental, right? So everything has to be in balance. And Zen is that. I mean, being in balance with what's going on 
uh, being well-rounded because it's not just fixing the equipment that is what you're doing here. You're fixing the equipment. You're fixing the tech, the uh, the the customer. You're fixing uh, maybe the uh, the the folks in the building as well. Um, you're also dealing with your dispatcher or your coordinator or the person who is handing you those jobs. And last but not least, your documentation of whatever you do has to be complete. And that is the entire cycle of fixing something. Gosh, I, I wish it was just, yeah, I went out and I fixed it and, uh, and now it's working as hunky-dory and there's no problems at all. That's not it. There's more to it than that. Documenting it is the final and probably most important step. If you don't document it or you can't tell whomever it is that you that you got this problem solved and what it was and how you solved it, well, then that information resides with you and that's as far as it goes. So how does that help the fellow technician? How does that help the person that comes after you? What if it's your competition? What if you work for company ABC and uh, they throw you to the curb and hire company, you know, XYZ? And, and you're like, uh, I don't want XYZ to know all my trade secrets that, you know, company ABC learned. Well, yes and no. Uh, there's a, a time and a place for that. And I understand that that uh, for the managers and the business owners and the, and the, the folks who are always looking for a return on investment, that may not be necessarily the right business acumen for um, uh, guaranteed monetary success. I understand that. But as a technician, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Leaving your business card in a fire panel or leaving notes, uh, breadcrumbs, as I, as I teach my students, uh, on things that I found is hypercritical for the next person behind you, okay? A good technician, uh, a good well-rounded technician on most systems will always document and leave something behind. If you show up to a problem and you tear it apart and you figure out what the issue was and you fix it and you don't document it or you don't leave any breadcrumbs for the, uh, the next person after you, you may be doing a disservice to them and yourself. So consider uh, consider leaving those notes. Now, I, I like to use uh, light-colored electrical tape. I don't use black tape uh, because it leaves a residue on stuff and it's, it's, you can't write on it, stuff like that. If I use white tape or yellow tape or orange tape, I can write on them. I can write on them with a ballpoint pen or a Sharpie, whatever it took. Uh, if I find, you know, where this circuit uh, isn't working correctly and I had a bad relay, then I should mark on that relay as things bad. Don't use the second set of contacts or I had to change it out with a new one, right? And that, that documentation is somewhere. So that you're always leaving intelligence behind or with somebody um, so that if this problem occurs again, right? A week later, it trips out again. You figure out that, oh my gosh, I'm pulling you know too much current through this thing or the power supply is folding back on itself or uh, maybe we've got a, a, another issue that's going on. Maybe, maybe when you open up this one door and you hit it against the magnet, it shorts it for a second and that's what's causing the problem. If 
if you're the same technician going back out to the site year after year or day after day or whatever it is, well, then that information resides in your head, I hope, right? I hope. If it doesn't, well, <laughs> maybe not in the right field. Um, so, so those basic steps I just gave you there, okay? Talking to your client, getting zen with what's going on, gathering all the intelligence, all the data that are out there for you to gather, leaving breadcrumbs behind for yourself or for others, uh, taking pictures with your cell phone, right? None of us are carrying phones that don't have uh, cameras. Uh, well, there might be one or two of you. The rest of us are carrying smartphones. Use your camera. You open up a, a bucket of worms in an overhead or, you know, some crazy system like I was dealing with the other day. Take a picture of it. If nothing more than to show somebody, uh, look at this mess, you could just take a picture of it so that you know exactly what wires go where, right? Just something as simple as that can make a huge difference, especially if you do have a two-hour minimum and you're up against the clock, and then you go to rewire something and you can't remember, right? You can't remember because you're stressed or you're no longer zen. You're no longer comfortable with what you're doing. So all those little tips and tricks um, come into play. And if you begin to use them and, and you, you think about them, you relax in yourself and you relax in your skill sets. Uh, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't have some skill sets already. And you wouldn't be in this field if you didn't know how to troubleshoot. Uh, and you certainly wouldn't be um, out with the right tools, doing the right job, if it if this wasn't an interest to you. So you're already part of the way down this rabbit hole with me. You're in the same boat as I am, right? If you're a technician who just got out in the field a year ago and you're working with me, you bring things to the to the table that I don't know. Okay, you may have you may have worked in a in a field that I'm not aware of uh, that I might find interesting. I don't know. Maybe you were a chef, right? And I love to eat. So there you go. What what's going on with that? Talk to me about chefing. Talk to me about what you did. Those kind of things that that make this job and this field um, relevant. Okay, so. Uh, that little sidetrack off to the uh, what I just talked about there is is if you happen to be working with a person, but if you're just brand new in the industry and you've been thrown into a situation that is sort of over your head, okay, um, having the ability to reach out to a senior technician and asking them some questions, even if they're dumb questions, is really really worth doing, okay. So uh, as an instructor, I always hand out my number, my cell phone number to uh, my students, and I encourage them to call. So uh, of all the cell phones I've had over the years I've taught, uh, I've always left my numbers available so that people can call me. And I have had people call me and say, I'm up on a roof. I'm looking at this stuck detector. I can't figure out how this thing's wired. Uh, what the heck's going wrong? And I will take the time that it takes to help somebody out with that because it's important to me and it should be important to you. And if every technician uh, considered 
doing that with their junior technicians and letting them know that I'm perfectly comfortable comfortable taking a call from you uh, and I'm perfectly comfortable helping you, I can speak, I'm perfectly comfortable helping you with this issue, uh, then we will as a group uh, advance much quicker and be more open. And since you happen to be listening to this in the Northwest uh, and in Oregon for the most part, uh, you happen to be surrounded by superior technicians. Uh, and I mean that in, in a lot of ways. I have met a lot of people in my time here. Uh, I can probably count on one hand the technicians I don't want to deal with anymore. Um, for the most part, I have met most of the technicians I've, I've worked with, uh, even the ones that drive me crazy, bring skills to the table that I don't have. And when I need those skills, I will use them and I will call you and ask you for help. So if I'm willing to do it as a guy who's been in the industry this long, then you should be willing to do it with somebody who may have just gotten into the industry. So those are what I wanna share with you today on the on the troubleshooting aspects and in an understanding what is going on and how your mindset should be as you approach these situations. You're not always going to be successful. You're going to be times when when it just it just kicked your butt. There's just nothing you could do. It kicked your butt. Bad day, or I could get my head wrapped around that. If another technician comes out after you and solves that problem and begins to give you grief about it, or or you take it personally or take it as an insult, uh, you're already in a losing situation. Okay, laugh about it, smile about it, learn. Step back, don't bump chess, move on, okay? Move on. So with those, with those few items that I just talked about, taking a picture, getting zen, talking to the client, give your customer, if they, if they got two hours and you solve the problem in five minutes, do something for 15, 20, or 30 minutes. Do something different, right? Let's, let's, t- let's look at that, for example. You're minding your own business as you do. You show up at this account, all the doors are closed. Oh, my God, what's going on? So you ask the client, what happened? I don't know, we had this, like, fire alarm, and then all the doors closed. And now the doors won't stay open. And you walk in there, and the thing's still, an alarm has just been silenced. You push reset, magically, the fire panel resets itself, now all the doors hold. Well, that's a 30-second fix. Now, when you walk up to that client, and you go, all right, well, I fixed your fire panel, uh, sign here, right? As a two-hour minimum, uh, have a nice life. I guarantee you, guarantee you, that client's going to look at you and go, what? You're only here for five minutes. Okay, first off, there's a couple misses here. If the if the fire system wasn't reset, the client needs training on how to operate the fire system and how to understand what's happening. And, and trust me when I tell you this, folks, this will happen to you. You will go out on a call. There will be a fire alarm in the system. The client's not even aware of it, right? It doesn't matter if the enunciators are still have a red LED. It doesn't matter that the, that the, that the system is still alarming. They missed it. It will happen. I guarantee you. Most of these clients that you're dealing with are not fire alarm people. There might be nurses. They might be managers. They might be caregivers. They might be business owners, they, they they might be welders, who knows? But you know what they're not? They're not fire alarm people. So they don't know. 
right? Right off the bat, if you see something like that, you've got training to do. You've got training to do. You've got to figure out why this situation occurred. Here's, let's look at it from the beginning. You get called out, the doors are closed, you figured out why the doors are closed, you fix the problem, now you gotta go back and fix the client. And that means, hey, you didn't know it, but your system was still an alarm. Let's talk about what happened there. They could explain, yeah, uh, at the same time that happened, uh, you know, a tornado came in the backyard and, and, and blew all the lawn furniture around and we forgot to reset it. Or, I didn't know it was still an alarm. Holy cow, what does that mean, right? Because remember, most clients think that anytime the panel buzzes, it's an alarm, even if it's bad batteries, right? So, so the client doesn't have all these answers. If they did, you wouldn't be there. That's not the way it works. Now you've got to train the client. And you may have to train the client's other managers or other folks in there, or the, maybe the maintenance folks, so that they're aware of what's going on. I've done this, used my computer to generate some signs and some basic instructions, print it out, give them a file, print it out on one of their copiers or one of their printers, and tack it up on the fire panel. Hey, when this happens, do this, follow these steps. Your two-hour call that you've solved in five minutes now will probably take you 30, okay? That 30-minute time that you spent training somebody on how to operate the system or whatever and in, in, in the scenario I just laid out uh, is worth gold. It is worth gold, okay? Clients like, usually, like it, when you take the time to explain something and they like getting value for their money. So if you show up and fix the problem in five minutes and go sign here, I got to go. I got to go fix something down the street and you know, or we're done here and the, and the client doesn't think they got their money's worth, guarantee you, guarantee you, you're gonna hear about it when you get back to the shop. Guarantee you, okay? So cut that off at the pass. Go ahead. Do what you would do if you own the company, right there on the spot. Well, I, I own ABC Company. Let me show you how this thing works. Let me give you the insight on what you can do to prevent me coming back out and dinging you for a couple hours. You know, now if the client says I don't care about any of that, you need to leave. Okay, well then leave. You've done you've done your bit for God and country. You need to move. Then you move on. Not all the clients are going to be like that. Okay. So troubleshooting circuits, troubleshooting equipment uh, is there's it's more than that. It is all encompassing. It is it is it is like I think the best way for me to put it is it is like you take the reins on this animal and you begin to drive it. And it, it's going to be from the time you walk through the door until the time you leave, your responsibility to make sure that as much information has been exchanged, good information has been exchanged with who needs to have it exchanged, and that, and that you feel comfortable doing what you've done and that you've spent the right amount of time. And, and that the client's happy, you're happy, your boss should be happy because even if it's a two-hour call and you got it done in 30 minutes, and the client says, man, I like that guy. You got to send him back here. He's really worth having around. 
that's a plus for everybody. It's not a plus if you show up and stick your thumb in their eye. They don't like that, right? Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to be told they're stupid. No one likes to be told they're dumb. And the worst thing you can do is go, I just reset the panel. You're an idiot. And walk out. Not that I expect anybody to do that. But the, but the implication is there. Okay? So, so, so take the time. Treat people with respect. And, and really, really be a part of the community that you're in to a degree that, that people want to have you back. Okay? So I had a client... Uh, I worked for uh, at one company, and um, we uh, they were uh, they were basically an authority having jurisdiction. They they ran they had fire stations all over the place. So I got to understand. I got to you know know their fire stations. I got to know the the manager that 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 oversaw the whole thing. I got to know all the maintenance people. I got to know a lot of the fire captains and you know a lot of the buildings and 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 stuff like that. Even when I was a manager, um, I made sure that that. That, the, that this particular client, there was a couple of them I had in my back pocket, were always serviced no matter what. And so oftentimes that would entail, you know, they would call or they'd call my dispatcher and say, yeah, I need a technician. Oh, gee, we're all booked up. We're not going to be able to get somebody out there until tomorrow or whatever. Um, even as a ops manager, I would oftentimes put my hat on, grab my tools, and go out in the field and look at it. I may not be able to solve the problem. I may not have the the ability to 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 fix their problem, but you know what I do have the ability to do? Show up and give it a shot. Okay? Just show up and give it a shot. That shows a client you care. You care enough to show up on site and to do anything, right? Better than well, you're in the queue. We'll see you next week. That's that's not an answer that I ever like to have as a manager. It was never an answer I like to have as a client. If you have your own home or your apartment and you call for service on something, and the guy just goes, "Well, yeah, 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 you're not gonna, we're not gonna see you till next week. Have a nice life. Just deal with it." Well, gee, um, makes you feel kind of kind of bad, right? Makes you feel like I didn't really matter to that person or that company. Maybe I'll go to another company. Maybe I'll go to the competitor. So if you think about it in those terms and you provide service on a level of excellence like that, uh, it will pay off and it will pay off in, well, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, two or three of the clients that uh, happened to be at uh, one company either went to another company because I changed, or I changed to a different company or... Uh, they happened to just choose that company and then I became the, the manager there and they expressed, oh my gosh, we're so glad that, that you're a part of being here. Okay, is that because I'm some sort of, you know, super duper guy or something? No, no, not at all. But it is because I treated the client as I wanted to be treated, which is supposed to be what this is all about. It made a difference in the world, Right. So everybody listening to this podcast has a choice to do that when you do your service calls. Everybody has that choice. If this is not a part of your makeup, if this is not a part of your personality, if this isn't really you, then 
that a customer-oriented technical job may be a, not the best choice for you, okay? And I'm not certainly not telling anybody to get out of it. What I'm telling you is that you need to think about how you do what you do because this is what this industry is all about. Well, maybe you just want to be an installer. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just want to work on construction sites and screw stuff to the wall and bend pipe and pull wire and whatever it is. Guess who your client is there, <laughs> okay? It's either going to be the end user of the building or it's going to be the, the company that hired you to do that work or it's going to be the superintendent on that job. So it, it doesn't matter if you're uh, screwing panels to the wall there is going to be a customer that you're there to service. And it could be another contractor. It could be a construction guy. It could be a foreman. It could be whomever it is. That is your client. So like it or not, it's a part of what we do. It's a part of how you do what you do. So to be excellent uh, takes some service skills. And when I worked for Simplex, there was a... Um, it was a course that they taught called Customer Service Skills. And uh, matter of fact, it, it, I was so enamored with this course that I actually kept the wallet card uh, still today. And I, I worked for I worked for them from 94 till 98. So I kept this card uh, and, I, and I even still remember um, some of the tricks I learned from it um, and use them still today because I thought, wow, uh, especially coming from the military, where the military was probably one of the few places where I actually had a client. I mean, you know, when I was doing what I did in the Navy, my client was everybody on that boat, one way or another. Uh, I was, I, uh, my particular job was electronic warfare, so we would look at uh, radars and tell you what they were and if they were a threat, and then if we needed to do something about them or not. Uh, so, you know, you being good at what you did meant that, gosh, uh, this is a bad guy radar and I think it's coming <laughs> coming towards us. We may want to do something or we may not be here in about, I don't know, four minutes. So let's figure this out. Uh, even in a, in a position like that, uh, you had to sleep at some point. And so the kid you're on watch with or the kid that took over the watch after you went to bed uh, needed to be as good at what as what they did as as you were, and so you know the 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 Navy was one of those places where it trained you to be sure as you turned over from one watch to the next all the information that was relevant, and when you miss something something major. Uh, it could be life or death, or it just could be, hey, man, let's make sure that the next time you turn over on a watch, I know exactly what the heck I'm doing. I don't want to walk into a slaughter fest again. So the customer service aspect um, was there. I just didn't really recognize it uh, until, I, until I got out of the military and got into a, um, into a field where I had to service. My first job out was uh, photocopiers. And... Um, if you've never had the pleasure of fixing photocopiers in the well, in the 90s, early 90s, there were four things that mattered to clients. Um, telephones, fax machines, photocopiers, um, and computers. That was it. Everything was based on one of those four machines and, and maybe the coffee pot. So if the 
if the photocopier was down, and this is before they did everything, right? They were just actual duplicators or copiers. Um, it's a pretty darn big deal, and the clients let you know that. The same exact customer service skills were used, same exact thing. You'd walk into a building, walk into the client, um, walk up to the machine. Uh, there was the machines I worked on uh, would almost always have some of the same failures. And so you would recognize right off the bat, oh, this thing's making a noise. I already know what this gear is. I need to, I need to replace this gear. And, and then the fault analysis is this gears broke because of something else, uh, you, you know, rollers or, or whatever, whatever it was. The more you did the job, the quicker you got at, at fixing the problem. And then the more you diagnosed what caused that to begin with, and then you could point your fingers at yourself or another technician or the usage and say, well, you know, the the sequence of events is, is this. Um, the job, the, the job I did at that time had some dynamite technicians that worked there. Matter of fact, some of the best technicians, uh, some of the best troubleshooters I ever met actually were fixing photocopiers. Uh, hands down, um, the the very best technician I ever met would do exactly the same thing I just laid out today. Exactly the same thing. I didn't really make the connection at the time. I I, I, I was probably too nervous, and uh, the job didn't pay extraordinarily well. So I was, you know, we're always trying to figure out how to make more money, but. Um, he would walk in, and even if he knew what the problem was, he would talk to the client. That's the first thing he did, and his name was Brian. And he would he would come in, he'd sit down, talk to the client, uh, have the client show him what was done, what what the machine was doing, and then he would open it up, start going to work on it. Even though he knew the problem, he'd dink around in there and clean it up and, and do what he needed to do, look for other issues, fix the problem, fix the other issues come back, have the client work the machine, and then if the client had a big job, he would run the job for the client. He would run the job. If the if the client was going to make 500 copies of uh, uh, something like that, and then he, oh, let me do that for you because I know how to work the machine. He'd work the machine for him. Hand him the, hand him the stack of papers and then hand him the, um, the service ticket and, and skedaddle out the door. Uh, it was a thing of beauty to watch this guy work. It was a thing of beauty. And uh, I picked up on some of that, but I didn't, I didn't, pick up on all of it until years later as a fire alarm person, um, then it, it kind of all started to make sense. And when I became a supervisor and a manager and started working with my own technicians and then eventually became uh, an instructor at one point and is, is when I, I really went, oh my God, I mean, it's all the same. It's the same, no matter what crazy industry you're in, it is the same. Doesn't matter if you're a roofer. Doesn't matter if you're a mechanic, car mechanic. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're if you're fixing garbage disposals, right? It's the same thing. And we've all been and seen technicians who don't have that customer pizzazz or that finesse or 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 that way of of, of dealing with it. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not saying that 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 well, you know, you need to you need to send those people packing. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that is that is that you work on you. <laughs> Let them work on them. Um, my observation of how folks interacted with other folks um, has been something that is is has been a, a part of my life 
for years and years and years. I can be super friendly, super nice, super everything. I can also be a super jerk. I can also be the biggest pain in the ass you've ever met. I can also be the complete opposite. It's up to me. It's up to me and how much coffee I've had generally. But if I if I approach, if I if I know what I'm doing and I come at it with the right smile, the right attitude, and the right and the right everything, um, I feel better about me. And and ultimately, the only person at the end of the day who can look back at his at his day and go, did I do okay? Did I was I on track? Was I off track? Was was I was did I miss? Did I have some misses? Did I not? Where was I at in my head? Right? That's uh, me. The, I, at the at the end of the day, the only person I can change is me. The only person you can change is you. As a manager, uh, I did my very best to try to. Uh, uh, not really manage folks, but coach them. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the more I managed, the more I hated it, and the more I liked coaching. Because in in my world, it, it, the way I looked at it, if I coached you to do something, uh, and I and I and I encouraged you and uh, um, helped you not see your faults or see your your issues. But to see a little bit of a different perspective or a better way of, of of operating, and you picked up on what I was laying down, and you got better, or you did something differently, and you started to to really really you know hit the right groove, that um, showed me that I was on the right path. You were on the right path. It made your evaluations look better. It made your your, your dollar value higher to the to the customer or to the client, or I'm sorry to the to the uh, company. Um, ultimately, things got better and better, but where it fell down in my world was how those technicians could interface with other technicians or clients who are particularly awful or, um, you know, jobs that were particularly awful, um, maybe taking over, uh, you know, poorly installed systems and then having to deal with with all the repercussions of that. Uh, you know, there's always going to be some sort of detrimental thing. But one of the one of the points I'm trying to make here is that I often told my uh, upper managers when they would point out metrics for a technician, how's a technician doing in his troubleshooting skills? Is he is he hitting all the uh, the marks? Uh, you know, is he is he is he is he doing that? Like, if he's not, then we need to we need to push all our technicians to think a certain way or to do a certain action. Um, oftentimes, I would would push back and say, look, you let me coach the technicians the way they need to be coached. Don't worry about your metrics. Don't worry about all these other things. They they will show themselves, right? As, as the, 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 the more I do what I do and the more I let a technician do what they're supposed to do and the more I help uh, coach and train and figure out how they're navigating a very complicated world, um, it will reflect back by their metrics. Meaning, I can't look at a technician and say, well, you're not hitting the mark, get out. I have to figure out why they're not hitting the mark, coach them on that, let them hit the mark. And then the metrics will reflect that, but they won't reflect it 
in the time frame that oftentimes the upper management folks are looking for. They're looking for you to say, hey, this is what I want it to be, and it's got to be this way next week, and you're going, eh, it's not going to come out that way. That's just not the way it works. So that struggle that we oftentimes have um, as managers and supervisors uh, interfacing with our technicians and then the the folks who actually run the company and, and you know are doing the financials, it's two different worlds. And they don't really sometimes jive well. So it's been my experience that a good manager will um, sort of be able to keep the stuff from the upper managers from trickling down into the technician world and what the technicians are dealing with, I want to not allow that to go above me if I can help it up into the upper management world. And that's probably one of the reasons why I never moved into the more senior management positions because I don't have any interest in it. Uh, and even in my own world, when I decided to get out of management this last time and, and go back and be a technician, um, I don't miss it. I just don't. Sometimes I just like fixing stuff and I just want to have a tangible this wasn't working when I got here and it's working now yay smile on my face I feel good about myself I want to move forward that wound up being um, more important than money in some cases uh, quality of life so for your own self and for your own world Please look at those things. Please do some evaluations, especially as a service technician that's in a vehicle uh, by yourself. Spend some time to self-reflect. Am I in the right gig? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, have my head on straight? Am I working safely? All those things that you have to keep in mind. All those those uh, pieces of work that have to happen in the right order to be successful. Are you prepared to do that today? Do you have everything in order? And then you're going to show up and fix this system and you're going to deal with an upset client or whatever it is. So everything I've, I've covered in this particular podcast, I do want you to seriously think about, seriously think about that and try to apply some of them. And if you would like to email or or uh, I don't put my phone number out on this, but you certainly can email me. Uh, we have a, a great uh, email that, that we'll put up on the podcast here that you can shoot emails back and I'll be glad to answer them for you. Uh, but do know that, that how you do what you do is important and how you do what you do in this industry and in any industry will always be important. Good technicians, good troubleshooters, good installers. It doesn't matter if you do Berg, access control, telecom, data. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is you're doing. We all have to do the same thing. And we all have to be able to operate effectively. And we have to do it where we feel inside like we're hitting the mark. 
Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.